that. We have two dogs at our house, Linus and Lucy. All right. Now, Lucy is, um, I don't know, a, a miniature rat terrier. I just call her a rat. Um, she's Kim's dog. Very anxious little dog. Um, she's, uh, she probably weighs about 10 pounds now. Uh, maybe no, no. Six pounds? I don't know. Um, big enough to, to pick her up like she's a football. Uh, but not to throw her, friends. <laughs> Just to, 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 to hold her. Like Anyway, uh, then Linus is, uh, I don't know, he's probably, he's probably about 110 pounds now. Uh, he's a Spanish Mastiff Alaskan Malamute. Okay, so he's a sled dog that likes to protect. Um, so just anyway, but Linus is so laid back as long as he has a drink of water um, He's good um, Just to, 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 to give you an example when I leave the house or come home Lucy is at the front door this little rat terrier yipping when I shut the door to leave the house, she is jumping up on the other side of the door, yipping at the, you know, and just barking. The same is true if someone comes over to our house, she alerts us right away. Uh, when, when, when they're even over at the church, she just starts yipping. Yip, 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 yip. Running, I mean, like these figure eight patterns in the living room. Uh, Linus, somebody comes over, he's laying in the grass, doesn't care. You know, I see he's a guard dog. He's only, he's only really acted like a guard dog one time, and that was when I tried to jump out and scare uh, one of my family members. He didn't like that too much. Um, for example, last night, it was about, a, it was about 10 o'clock, and I was coming over from the church. It was pitch black, and I just took off sprinting from the back door just to see what he would do sprinting from the back door of the church over to the house, he kind of lifted his head up and looked at me as I, as I went by, like, what's wrong with you? Why are you running? You know, we've, we've got all night. Just, just calm down. But I thought about this last week. Lucy and Linus are almost polar opposites in our house. And I think of this, this anxious dog that is always running... Very rarely uh, do, does she get, uh, does she get a, a, a lengthy rest because she'll jump up and just start running and barking at the, the smallest sound. Whereas Linus, he probably sleeps about 20 hours a day because uh, he doesn't worry about anything. I think of this, like, at night we let Linus through into the house. He comes in the, the, the back door. Uh, he comes in the back door and goes out the garage door. And in that short time to go from our kitchen to the laundry room, Lucy probably bites Linus about a dozen times. She's just jumping up and she bites at the, the, his jaw, right under, you know, the skin under his jaw. One time she even hung on that. He didn't even break stride. He just keeps walking, you know, eh, whatever. She'll fall off sometime. Maybe I'll step on her. Maybe I won't, you know. But I, th I thought about these, these, these two dogs of ours because that, to me, somewhat summarizes the, the two different personalities or characteristics that we have as far as worry goes. 
You know, some, some of us are, are prone to, to camp out in this anxious field where we worry about every little thing, things that we cannot control, things that we know we can't control, and yet it keeps us up at night. We snap at other people. You know, uh, we, we, just, we just find it very uh, difficult to rest. Then some of us fall into this, this Linus camp over here where we just, we just don't worry about anything because we know that everything's going to be okay. We know that we have a God that, that's going to provide for us. We know that if God doesn't provide right now with a, a, an earthly want, that we have eternity waiting for us on the other side. Are you with me? Where everything's going to be all right. And yet, we're still prone to worry. We still find it very difficult to be free of worry and anxiety. And I, I, I wrote something yesterday that said, this is not, this life of worry and anxiety is not the life that Jesus has called us to. This is not the life that Jesus has given up his life so that we can enjoy. That our life, I believe this, friends, that our life in Jesus, a life of peace, a life of joy, begins at this time right now in this world that we are living in. And if we walk with Jesus, that we can come to a peace and we can come to a worry-free lifestyle and we can come to enjoy not only our lives, but bring joy to the lives of those that we interact with. So I want you to open up your Bible, if you have it, or one of the Pew Bibles, or if you're following along on the Bible app, to open up to Philippians chapter 4. We've been walking through Philippians this summer. We're coming kind of to the end of Philippians now, the book of Philippians, a book all about joy, a book written by the Apostle Paul while he's in prison. And he writes that you can still have joy. He says, I still have joy even though I'm locked up, chained to a Roman guard. I don't think I will ever see you again, he writes to the church. I'm probably going to die here. And yet, he writes throughout Philippians about joy. Listen to how verse 4, Philippians chapter 4, begins. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Say this with me, rejoice always. Right. See, it's one thing to say it, it's one thing to live it out, isn't it? Um, rejoice always. Uh, Paul writes this, and just in case we didn't get it the first time, he says, again, I say to you, rejoice. This means that we are to rejoice regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in. Regardless of the circumstances that surround us, whether they are difficult or easy, as followers of Jesus, we are commanded... It's not a request, it's a command from Jesus to rejoice, to be filled with joy and to bring joy into the lives of others that we interact with. But some of you would argue, well, that's difficult, because I get up in the middle of the night and I worry. I, get, I, I, I have these difficult circumstances that I deal with. You, Pastor, you don't even understand my situation. How can I rejoice always? So Paul writes it here. I say Jesus commands it. It's throughout 
the New Testament, that we are to have joy, to be filled with joy. And yet, so often we think, well, that's, that's difficult. That might even be impossible until we are reminded that joy is not something that we can produce. See, it's not something that we can, that we can force. It's not like when we're up in the middle of the night and we're, we're worried about something, we say, just stop worrying. Okay, done. No. See, it doesn't work like that, does it? Somebody back me up. Does it work like that for you? If it does, you, you need to come up here and preach. But I say it's not like an on-off switch. The same is true of joy. We can't just turn it off and on and say, oh, I forgot to turn my joy button on today, so I'm going to turn it on right now. See, it doesn't work like that for me. If it works like that for you, let me know after the service. But see, I say joy is not something that we can produce in ourselves. Instead, joy is something that is given to us from the Holy Spirit. It's a lifestyle that we enter into when we accept Jesus. It doesn't magically come upon us, though. It's something that we have to work toward. A few weeks ago, we, we were told to, we read Paul's words, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'd say, work out your joy as well with the Lord. The closer you walk with Him, the longer you walk with Him, the more intimate you are with Him, the more joy will enter your life, and you'll find it easier and easier and easier to be joyful and to rejoice always. But I say, it's a command given to us. It's not an option. It's not a request. And I say that because of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5. You don't have to turn there, but Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and on, talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit. Someone um, recently was talking to me and they said, the fruits of the Spirit. And I said, no, 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 it's not fruits. It's not plural. There's, mul there's multiple of them. Here, then I'm going to tell you, well, love, joy, peace, patience. There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But they're not fruits, plural. It's one fruit. It's given to us by Jesus when we enter into, or by the Holy Spirit, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus. But it's something that, that, that we should possess all of those things. We should have love and joy and peace and patience, and goodness, and gentleness, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I say this, if you're lacking any of those things, then you're not fully walking with the Lord. How scary is that? So if I examine my life, and you examine your life, and you say, you know what? I've got eight of the nine, I'm good. The only one I'm really lacking is joy. Because when I walk out the door in the morning, I've got a really difficult job, and I have to deal with some really difficult people. That's not me, but maybe that's you, right? But I say, if I'm lacking any of these fruits of the Spirit, then I am lacking in the command that God has given to me to possess all nine fruits of the Spirit. See, Galatians 5 goes on to list the, the characteristics that oppose these fruits of the Spirit. He goes on to warn in this way, those who live like this, opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
So to begin, because I haven't even started into this passage yet, to begin, I say this, where do you stand in the fruit of the Spirit? Where do you stand in your joyfulness? As we talk about rejoicing always. See, because you can't be a Christian with power if you lack joy. You just can't do it. Joy in the Lord, joy in Jesus Christ, joy through the Holy Spirit. That is the power, that is the source of our power as Christians. And if we're walking through this, this life and we're proclaiming to be a follower of Jesus, but we lack joy, what kind of an example is that showing to those that we're interacting with? What kind of an example is that showing to those that Jesus is bringing into our life? So Paul writes here, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Just in case you missed it, I say it again, rejoice. Verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Paul believed now that the Lord would soon return, and he wanted to remind others of that truth. The Lord is near. Jesus is returning very, very soon. Let your gentleness, let your joy and gentleness be evident to all. See, we should be willing to let others know that the Lord is near as well. That the time of this earthly life is drawing very, very short. And we should share that example of Jesus through our love. And through our joy. And through our peace, even in the midst of difficulty, and through our gentleness, even when we are facing difficult situations, even when we have to correct and when we are being corrected. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your love be evident to all, for God will soon return. Let your joy be evident to all. Christ presence brings us that true joy in him let your joyfulness be evident to all because jesus is our reason for joy amen rejoice always that's the first requirement that's the first command that we read from paul this morning verse six then one of my favorite verses of paul's a verse that we have plastered in various places throughout our home because we need that reminder, my wife and I. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So first Paul writes that we are to rejoice always. Then he says this, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. That's because if we find that and we have that ability to pray about everything, but the worry just kind of melts away. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Paul writes that we are to worry about nothing because... We are to pray about everything. This means that we are to go to the Lord with everything in our life. 
See, I don't, I don't know why, I mean, even when I say that, I don't know why we find that so difficult to do. When, when I go home of an afternoon, and be, believe it or not, sometimes there's some, some, some tension in the church. Sometimes there's some, some situations in the church. And when I'm walking home, some afternoons I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to get home and tell Kim about this. And then I think, no, no, I, I, can't, I can't tell her that, but I can tell her about this trial that I have. You know, or I can say to her, hey, would, you know, join with me in this. And the longer I've, I've only been married for, uh, we've only been married, we, together, have been married 15 years. But the longer I'm with her, the more I want to talk to her, the more I want to share with her. See, I, I, so I don't, I, when I talk about this, I don't know why we find it so difficult to pray about everything. I don't know why we find it. Those of us who claim Jesus and we say amen when, 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 when I say God is in control and I hear this resounding amen from so many in our church family, I don't know then why we have so much trouble going to the Lord with everything. If we believe that He can control everything, why wouldn't we just turn it over to Him? Instead, we hold on to it. So often, this is the truth, instead of turning it over to Jesus and being free of our worry and our anxiety, we hold on to it and we try to solve the problem ourselves and we, we work through it and we tire ourselves out and we make ourselves anxious and then we say, well, nothing else works, so I guess I'm going to pray about it. You know it's true. You know it's true. But what Paul is writing here is that we're to go to the Lord with everything and nothing in our life should be left out. The, 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 the good and the bad, everything in between, we're to go to the Lord with. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. See, if joy in the Lord is the source of our power, then prayer is that, that secret of the power. That's how we connect with God. That's how we gain joy in Him. By everything, by prayer and petition. That word petition really caught my eye. Maybe your, uh, maybe your Bible uses the word supplication. Um, I like the word petition. That's because I like the NIV better. You can, you can let me know about that later on. Um, but I like the word petition because when... How many of you have ever, ever signed a petition? Anyone ever signed a petition? Yeah. I think about... You know, when, 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 I, when I have a petition presented to me or I present one to someone else, it's a, it's a request that I have that I'm sharing in and I'm trying to get a lot of people on my side. Right? And I'm trying to show that I have support for my need and what I want. And what Paul writes here is that we're to go to the Lord by prayer and petition. That means that I don't, I don't just have to, sometimes I do, but I don't just have to with every request go to the Lord with, with one time and say, here it is, God, now, now you're in control so I can forget about it and I can walk away. Sometimes that means, you know what, God, this is really hurting me. This is really disturbing my life right now. I really need you to do this. I don't remember who I heard say it first, but uh, a preacher many years ago, he said, um, when we pray by petition, we're letting God know 
We are saying, rather, to God that we know that He knows what we need. And we're saying it over and over again. God, we need You. We need what You have to offer. God, I, I, I haven't seen this, this come to, 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 to fruition in my life yet. So I really, I'm going to leave it there again. I'm going to go to you again with this over and over again. But I also think of petition in this way. I lift my prayers to the Lord and I leave it there for Him and then I turn to my church family. I say, this is a burden that I'm carrying and I don't want to carry it alone. I cannot carry it alone. I've prayed about it, yes, but I'd really like your support in this. I'd like you to pray with me for this need in my life. And if we have a request, what, what, what Paul is writing here is you take your request and you present it to the Lord and you, you let Him know that He has everything that you need and you just need Him to answer your, 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 your prayer. Are you with me? Hebrews 4.16 Approach the throne of grace with boldness. Another version says approach the throne of grace with, with confidence so that you might receive grace and find mercy to help you in your time of need. Anyone ever have a time of need in your life? Yeah. Praise Jesus. See, I had the, the, the opportunity to, to, to pray with a couple that was just newly wed, and uh, I gave thanks for the burdens that they would face in their life. Gave thanks for, for any struggles that, 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 would, that would come into their life together as they tried to, to strive to, to, to build a life and a home together. I thank God that we, that we face burdens because that's a reminder to us that we are to approach the throne of grace. That we are to, to approach God and say, God, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need joy from you because I don't have it. And when I think of praying by petition, I think of bringing my request to God day after day after day, sharing that request with others, letting the, God know that my need is so important that I have to talk to Him about it, sometimes over and over again. You are my source of hope. You are my source of joy. You are my source of everything that I need in this life. So I read these words, uh, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Friends, we as a church, we've got to get in the habit of doing that. We've got to get into the habit of, of, of going to the Lord with every need and every prayer request that we have in our life. We've got to get in the habit, and I believe this is a key to evangelism as well. When somebody has a need, and most of you raised your hand that you've had needs or problems in, in your life that have, that, that have risen over the years. When someone has a need, if we would just say, can we pray about that together? I'm telling you, that is gonna, that's going to bring walls down. That's going to open doors to people entering into relationships with Jesus like we have never seen. I wholeheartedly believe that, but if we're not praying ourselves, we're not going to feel comfortable going to somebody else and saying, can I pray with you? Can we pray together? 
But he says, be anxious about, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And this tells me we're not to, to let prayer become this like leap in the dark where we say, God, I don't have anything else left, so here. I, I hope you can do something with it, but if you can't, I don't know. No, instead, Paul says we're supposed to approach the throne and approach God with prayer and petition and give thanks. God, I thank you because you hear me. I thank you because you're going to answer this. And maybe you're not going to answer my request in the exact way that I think you should, but I know you're going to answer my need according to your grace and according to your greater purpose in life, in my life and in the lives of those that surround me. So God, I'm bringing this to you and I believe, I have faith, God, that you're going to do more than I could hope, more than I could imagine, more than I could ever dream. So God, I'm going to lay this here and I'm going to give you thanks. That's what Paul is writing about here. Do not be anxious about anything, but, with, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Rejoice always, he writes. Worry about nothing. Pray about Everything. Now, given these two commandments, these two commands, rather, to rejoice always, to, to worry less and to pray more, what's going to happen? What's going to follow all of this? Verse 7. And the peace of God... How many of you need some peace this morning? Woo! And the peace of God, which transcends, surpasses all understanding, a peace that we cannot even comprehend, friends. Can you imagine? Oh, no, you can't, because you can't comprehend. Anyway, it's a joke. Uh, we'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again without the bad joke. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This says that we can have peace over our worries, over our anxieties, over any situation or circumstance that we face today or in the future, we can have complete peace. Some of Jesus' last words, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be Afraid. See, that sounds like a command, doesn't it? Have peace. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Everything's going to be all right. As, as um, Reverend Billy Graham would say, I've read the end of the story. I know how it ends. Amen? You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be worried. Jesus is with you. He says, have peace. Peace and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That means we're not going to worry anymore. Amen? Praise the Lord. It's just that simple. So as I close this morning, let me just summarize by saying this. Prayer changes things. Prayer does change things. But that's not the primary purpose of prayer that our situation or our circumstances changed. See, I, I entered this morning talking about our anxieties, about our worries, right? 
Maybe you came into the sanctuary this morning, you entered into the church building this morning, you said, you know what, I've got so many burdens, I've got so many anxieties in my life, I've got worries in my life. And as you sit here right now, even listening to these words, you say, yeah, but, but pastor, I still have those same worries, I still have those same anxieties. I'm still standing in the midst of this circumstance. The reality is we, we entered into this passage talking about anxiety. We round out this passage talking about peace. And in between the two was prayer. Have things changed? No. Has your situation changed? No. Have your circumstances changed? Probably not. That storm is, might still be raging in your life. Those waves of worry, confusion, anxiety crashing all around you. See, in our anxiety, we often want God to change the situation. Change everything around us. Give me this. Grant this, don't let this happen, open this door. But instead of praying that God would change the situation, maybe we need to be praying that God would change us. And that even as He allows us to walk through this difficult and challenging, anxious situation in our life, maybe, just maybe, He's allowing us to do so so that, he will, so that we will draw closer to Him. So that we will call out to him and say, God, I cannot do this on my own. I need you, Lord. So as we pray, God, change us. Help us, God, to see what you're trying to do here. Let me ask, what would your life look like? What would our church look like? If we begin to rejoice always, what would, what would your life look like? What would your, our community, rather, look like if we truly held to worry about nothing, pray about everything? Just imagine the, 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 the transformation that would happen in your home. And in every relationship that you have, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to pray about it. Somebody brings you a, a big need of their life. Let's, let's pray about it. Well, I don't want to pray about it. Well, then you're not going to find your solution. You're not going to come to peace. You go on out that door. You worry a little bit more. Just let anxiety just tear your life apart because that's the way it's going to be. But I say again, that is not the life that Jesus has called us to. That's not the life that, that Jesus died to give to us. It's a life that where, where our stomachs are churning because we don't, we don't know what the answer is going to be and we can't find the answer and we don't know where to find the answer. The reality is, all we have to do is go to the Lord by prayer and petition. And He promises us that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will come over us and it will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. So Father God, today I pray for your church. And I pray God for this joy that Paul writes of. I pray God for the peace that you guarantee us, Lord Jesus. 
And today, God, although so often we, we do pray that you would ease our difficult circumstances, that you would speak, Lord, peace into the situations. The reality is, Jesus, so many of us are walking in confusion and we're walking in worry and we're walking in anxiety and we're walking in, where dare we say, doubt. But Jesus, I know your word tells us that this is not what you intend for your chosen ones. This is not what you intend for your followers. This is not what you intend for your church. So God, today, we submit our needs. We submit our worries. We submit our anxieties. We submit our doubts to you. And we pray, Jesus, for your peace. Father God, hear us today. And we will give you the glory the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's